when I left my corporate job, I never thought I'd really be missing having conversations about strategy meetings and search engine optimization, marketing and advertising. Uh, but what I realized quickly as I ventured out on my own is that all of that falls on me and I need to figure it out. And so I started asking questions around people that I knew and Tom is uh, the person that I, that I tied myself to with this stuff. So Tom has been a, a friend of mine for a number of years and uh, has been practicing yoga with me uh, for, for a number of years also. That's how we met. And, uh, but Tom is a, an entrepreneur and has a lot of success with his entrepreneurial uh, endeavors, um, has created many, uh, co-created many seven-figure companies, has helped, uh, you know, helped the brands that he's working with reach multi-million dollar levels and, uh, and is just really good at what he does. And it makes the information approachable. So today, uh, Tom and I are going to sit and chat about uh, marketing and advertising, how to do it for an individual, the importance of your search engine optimization, um, the, a lot of the things that you know a lot of us as individuals may take for granted or may not want the knowledge for. Um, Tom makes it palatable and finds a way to get it to us. So, uh, so hope you enjoy the conversation. We're going to go a lot of different ways, uh, tackle a lot of different subjects today, but all good info. All very necessary, especially for the individual entrepreneur, the individual business owner. So, hope you get some out of the conversation. We'll see you on the other side. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, sitting across me today, uh, one of my homies that I love talking about business with. So, since I stepped away from my business uh, background, corporate background, all this shit, um, I found myself. Uh, desiring to talk about business again mm -hmm. and having those conversations and where I used to like loathe them. And now I'm like, I search for them because I just don't have them that often. And, uh, and so Tom and I've been friends for a number of years through yoga. We went, uh, met through B1 and, uh, and Tom is, um, Tom's a businessman, right? Mm -hmm. He's guy's got his business background. He's a Microsoft alumni, um, the co-founder of many different uh, seven-figure brands, um, and one of his passions is helping clients grow their business. Um, he's helped his clients grow their businesses by almost four million. Um, so, like, just love talking to Tom about business shit. So, welcome, Mr. Tom Coat. Thank you. Yeah, welcome. Glad to be on the show. Yeah, it's, man. Uh, yeah, I know we've had a lot of these conversations in private, but happy to to share and hopefully people get a, uh, get some value out of it. Definitely, man. So Tom and I usually, uh, like once every couple of weeks or so, we'll get some coffee, go to a park yep. and we'll just chat about business. And, uh, and the reason why I wanted to bring Tom on today is that, you know, what, one of the things I've noticed about, um, the energy business, the, the yoga business, the, um, you know, that self kind of entrepreneurial kind of idea, um, is not really, uh, exercised as much in these independent businesses, Definitely. you know? And, uh, and you, you, we see so many people with great ideas and great ambition and, and they, they have the energy to start, but then not the ideas or the follow through to see the product through to the yep. end. And, uh, and so one of the things I wanted to talk Tom, uh, to Tom about this week is, uh, is, you know, what his, how he finds that drive, right. Mm -hmm. How you find that yep. drive. And, uh, and some, some tips on like self-advertising, how to market yourself. What does SEO mean? Like all these yeah, acronyms and all these things sure. that we hear about that's like, oh, that might be important. It's fucking important, right? Oh, yeah. it's, it's important stuff. It's a big so, deal. Uh, so Tom's here to talk about, he's going to wax business with us for, for a little bit. Yeah. Right? It's going to be fun. Definitely. Definitely. So, uh, so first off, let's uh, talk about you, man. So you, uh, you're entrepreneur, man. You, every time I talk to I you, you, got, you yeah. talk about all these cool shit you're working on. Yep. 
cool projects. Uh, we'll talk about Palette a little bit later. Yeah, it's my fun one. Yeah, yeah. man. Yep. Uh, so what did uh, how did you dip the toe into entrepreneurial? I mean, it's really always kind of been a passion of mine. So I mean, I started back when I was in what fifth grade. I was making my own board games and, <laughs> and not not selling them, but you know that was kind of like I was creating things at that point, uh-huh. and I've always just loved creating things. Oh yeah. And so it just kind of naturally fit in with entrepreneurship. And mm-hmm. so you know, I I you know went through high school, went up to Western Washington for for college, did that for a number of years went to Microsoft for a little bit after knowing that I needed to number one, pay off my, my student loans and number two, <laughs> at least have a little bit of money before I got started. Right. And right. so that was kind of my stepping stone into taking the leap about four, four and a half years ago or so and jumping into entrepreneurship full time, mm. um, working with a, a business partner I had at the time, which a lot of learnings there, you know, picking your business partner, very important. Very important. Um, yeah. that one didn't work out so well for me, but, uh, but after going through that experience, starting over again myself and kind of building back up to where I am now mm. um, has really been a, a wonderful experience learning a lot. I mean, that's one of the things I love most about entrepreneurship really is that you you get a chance to face so many different problems all the time. And it's just, it's a lot of fun to have that. It can be a little overwhelming, definitely, you know, yeah. not always facing the same thing because you don't get into that rhythm of really getting mastery on anything. But it does, I think, at least for somebody like me, give me the opportunity to see a lot of things, do a lot of different things. I think that's one of the exciting things about entrepreneurship that I would definitely recommend. And Mm. I think diving into each of those things can be intimidating, but it can be fun once you kind of reframe your thinking that way. Definitely. Yeah. There's so many different hats you got to wear. Like you're wearing all the hats, sometimes different hats. Sometimes they're all on the, on the head at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Like you're balancing it out and trying to figure out, you know, what, what plate needs to be spun more and where to put your focus towards. And exactly. Yeah. And I, and I think it's, it's important too. I mean, this is one of the things I I remember, I think you and I talked about this a couple, couple weeks ago, but the idea that, you know, you get to different plateaus as you go through this. Mm -hmm. And I know we're jumping a little ahead here, but you know, one thing I've definitely noticed is you hit a plateau, then you hit another one. And what takes you from plateau to plateau is always different. And mm. so there are points where you have to, I think, start to understand what you specialize in, what you are, what you are really good at. What are you better at than most people? Mm-hmm. And so like even with the organizations that I'm with and, and work on now, right, like I have a specific thing that I do, which is more technical, right? Stuff mm-hmm. on more website, that kind of things like that, right? Instead of you know, I do have a background in digital marketing. I've done a lot of, spent millions of dollars on ads online. But um, one of the business partners I have now is so good at it that he's now taken that role. And I've stopped having all the hats, right? Right. Um, so it, it is a, a bit of a balance. And I do think there are things that you kind of have to hit to go through the levels and keep moving up. But, mm-hmm. you know, having that thing that you find that you specialize in, I think is also a really valuable thing to figure out. Yeah. However that comes to be. Right. And I think you, you touched on a really important point. Like, yes, you're an entrepreneur, but you also know your strengths and you yes. know where to, to shift things off to and what to take on yourself. Yeah. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, like a lot of, the, a lot of times I think we, we feel like the weight of the world is on us because we have to do it all. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a lack of money, a budget issue where Definitely. you don't have the money to hire somebody. Um, sometimes it's a time issue where you don't have the time to find somebody. It's like, I would just rather do it myself. Yeah. Um, but getting that team and getting those people when you can, that you can trust to shift things off to, or even if you don't have the time or the budget right now to send those things out, my homie Tom, right? This yeah. is where this is where Tom and I start to talk, right? Yep. And then Tom, like I say, Tom, like this is what I'm working on, and Tom gives me advice as to like, hey, I might not, I don't have the money to pay you for this, but 
how here's some advice as to how to to get the ball moving yeah. right yeah so like you know it doesn't always fall on you to accomplish all the tasks and even if it does you can still find advice out there yeah yeah definitely and one of the things i think too that that bad advice that's sometimes given to entrepreneurs as well is don't share your ideas right mm. people think about someone's gonna steal your idea or whatever right, right? um and I think that's a little misguided for, for a lot of folks because what ends up happening, at least in my experience, when you start to share those ideas, mm -hmm. like you and I have, right, where you start telling me what you're thinking about is then I can give – like I now know that's what you're looking for and I can provide advice or I might know somebody to connect you to that can help you with that, right? So that's – that's almost kind of that that you know the, the you get what you put into the world kind right. of thing, right? That's the way at least that manifests in my head mm -hmm. is that it's when you start talking about things, there's like this energy to it, and people start to you just start to put the pieces together, right? And that's why I think a lot of times when people keep it bottled up, yes, I understand there's concerns that somebody might get the same idea as you and start it, but a lot of times. I mean, 95% of it's ex execution anyway. Right. So even if they know the same idea, I mean, ideas are a dime a dozen. It's really more execution. How do you actually make it happen? Mm -hmm. How do you, you make that idea come to fruition? So I would say share and get that feedback. That's how you can connect with some of those people, right? Find the people in your network because they might not even know that that's something you're you're struggling with or you need help with or you're interested in or anything. If you don't talk about it, mm -hmm. nobody's going to have any idea to help you. And right. you'll be amazed at what you probably already have in your network when you start talking. Definitely. You just, you just need people to know that's what you're looking for. Yes, definitely. And you know, I mean, to be honest, that's one of the reasons I do this podcast is because you don't know who is in your network that knows shit that you're working on. Mm -hmm. And through me having conversations like with you, you know, in these coffee t talks that we have, um, you know, I do those with a lot of people and through those conversations, that's how I gain knowledge. And, mm -hmm. you know, finally I'm like, I need to stop just hoarding all this knowledge because I have some really smart people in my circle. And that's where, that's what birthed this podcast was mm -hmm. the information sharing, the sharing of ideas. Um, and you know, to echo what you said, yeah, I get it. Like there's, there is an idea that we have to like hold our ideas to us. You know, this mm -hmm. is my idea. Very I can't personal. talk about it. Yep. But when you live from that point of abundance, like you're talking about that, that point of like, I know this is a good idea. I know this is going to flourish. I know that I need help with this. You mm -hmm. find those trusted people you can talk to, and then that's where all those ideas start to flourish. You start yeah. to open them up because you have those people that think about shit in ways that you're not able to think about. Yeah. And they exactly. plant that little idea in your brain. And sometimes, like for me, all I need is one idea, and I can riff anything off that idea, but I just need that first idea to riff on. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, and one of my favorite um, kind of quotes, and I'm, I'm going to – I'm not sure who it's from, but basically the idea, the idea of the quote is, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together, which oh, is a, you know, work with other people, help, have people help you out. You know, nobody does it alone. As much as there are, you know, stories in the world and people that get put on pedestals that are in business or other fields where it seems like they've done it themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, even the, the best athletes in the world have an entire staff of people helping them mm -hmm. train their bodies, their minds, everything, right? It's, it's never a solo endeavor right so and, and even the things that seem like solo endeavors like even like i was re reading a story i think about like a like a world-class climber um and basically the idea or what the story was about was all the different people that were in their life helping them figure out you know how to get their nutrition right how mm -hmm. to do and yes they're not the person you know only you only see the one person out there doing right the task but there's so many more people involved in helping that person be successful so uh, the idea that you can do it by yourself is is uh, uh, a tri tricky one. It can kind of trick you into yeah. not asking for the help that you 
will will need really yeah and it's worth it yeah there's a guy uh i talk about this guy a lot his name's simon sinek oh and, yeah love him yeah fucking love simon sinek and he he talks a lot about that that yep. whole idea of the self-starter and it's complete bullshit yep right and i mean i'm not trying to try, not trying to knock anybody that's pulled themselves up by the bootstraps or done the, oh, the, the hard gritty work but but yes okay you might have you might be the sole CEO of that company or whatever it is, right? And it might have been your idea that got him there. But there were also investors that helped you, friends and family that gave you encouragement, yep. right? There's people that have, like, given you the benefit of the doubt somewhere, right? There's yep. people that have taken, like, consideration on your story, right? There's all those people had a step in your success. So to stand on that that gold medal pedestal and be like, it's all me. Yeah. I did it. Uh, that's ego. That's complete bullshit. Exactly. It's, it's all ego. ego yeah. Right? And, and that's – yeah, I think that's – that that can be challenging and intimidating for people when you see that you're like okay that that person did all that like I can't measure up to that right. which is never true. Mm-hmm. I mean the other thing too that is important I think when it comes to a lot of this is there's never like one golden ticket. It's always iterations on things. I think that's one of the big things I've learned too is you don't just have one golden idea and it's that and it's done. Right. Even the best ideas that I think I've had have been iterated on many times before they actually did become a really good idea and, and mm. make money and, and be a valuable business to be in. Nothing ever really is perfect up front. Uh, and I'm sure there's exceptions. There's always exceptions to the rule. But right. I would say that's the thing to me that was a big learning as well was just to get it, get in, get started, and really try, right? Like when you're, mm. when you're talking about how do you get and keep motivated and, and how do you drive forward and keep that ambition, I think it's understanding that you don't you're not going to be there tomorrow. You right. have to give yourself time. You have to give yourself. I mean, it took me almost two years really before I kind of got back to where I wanted to be even financially mm-hmm. with everything I was doing in entrepreneurship, right? It was not a overnight thing. And, and you know, I, I would say too as well, prepare for that, right? If you're if you're going on that journey, mm-hmm. make sure you come prepared because that's, that's important to understand. It's going to take time. Yeah. Yes, there are exceptions. There are people that are successful in their you know, they're very successful in their twenties or whatever, but the average age of somebody who's at least in the startup space, right. Mm -hmm. is funded as an entrepreneur is like 36, 37. It's like people further in their life. Right. I mean, there's all these exceptions that get talked about because they're pretty exceptional cases, Mm -hmm. but they're not the standard And, and understanding that you have the time to keep getting better. And that's really what it is. It's more about the progress every day mm. than it is about being perfect today. Right. Right. And so I, th- I think that's, at least for me, that was the big learning over the last five years that really kind of changed my thinking. And I think helps me be driven and, and get some of these projects done is that I understand it's not about today. It's not about tomorrow. It's about the long haul. Like what right. are we doing over the long haul to make this happen? There's going to be iterations. It's going to change a little bit. There's going to be ups. There's going to be downs. Mm-hmm. But as long as you stick with it, understanding that eventually, if you persevere, and that's a lot of times too, like you mentioned SEO even, right? Right. Um, some of that stuff that is really long, um, and we can get more into what that is in a minute because I'm mm-hmm. going to go off and I'll still talk about the, the the longevity of some of the stuff. But like a lot of this stuff, it's really just like the last person standing in a lot of ways in some of these markets, right? It's, it's whoever can stick with it long enough mm. to let the success come to them, right? Like you look at a lot of people that get big on YouTube, right? They weren't big to start with. Nobody nobody ever is. Right. They might hit a like one really viral video out of the park early on, but then the next one's not the same. It takes time to build anything. Right. No matter what. If it's something worth building, it's gonna take time. Mm-hmm. And so you just have to stick with it long enough to let that happen. Let that success come to you. Don't just constantly feel like you're behind and you'll get there. 
Right. And I think too, what you're, you're kind of alluding to in a, in a roundabout way is like, be prepared to fail. Yeah. I, and I think that's, that's one of the biggest things with, with entrepreneurialism and, and just that, that going out on your own is it's okay to fail because you learn so much and, and fail like that might be a harsh word, right? Yeah. It's okay to not have the success you thought you would have. Yeah. Right. Because you learn so much from that. Right. Yeah. I had a boss one time tell me in my merit, very, very early management days that we were, we were hiring for a management team. And, uh, and I was asking him, you know, like, what, what are your requirements? What do you look for? Do you want somebody brand new? Do you want somebody that's been around for a while? And he's like, look, I'd rather have somebody that's failed a thousand times than somebody that's never even tried. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to have somebody with some experience. And I'm like, wow, that's a really interesting way to put that. And that was the first time I heard that. I think I was like 23 or 24. Yeah. And, uh, and that's really stuck with me. And that, that, that makes so much sense because you learn when you fail at something and it's that, that can be a very personal description of failure, mm-hmm. but you learn about what you do not want to feel anymore and how you do not want to present yourself and show up. And you try your damnedest to never do that again. And you don't know how hard you need to try until you have failed and yeah. slammed your face in the ground and been dragged around and be like, shit, this sucks. I don't want to do this again. How do I make this better next time? Yeah. Right. And so embrace those failures, embrace those non-successful moments and, uh, and learn the shit from them. Yeah. Well, one of the things too, I think is, um, and this is definitely really uncomfortable and I, I, I understand why I think just as humans by default, we try to shy away from putting ourselves in uncomfortable situations. But I think that's one of the things that definitely has benefited me quite a bit is I have deliberately at times put myself in the deep end of the pool, Mm. knowing that I'm not going to be successful with it, but knowing that I'm going to learn more than I ever could if Mm. I stayed in the shallow end and understanding that eventually that's going to come back and it's going to pay off for me. Right. Right. And and sometimes it's, it's been deliberate. Other times, like when I started at Microsoft, I was in a team where I was the youngest person on that team and we were responsible for launching all the Xbox products for, for the company. Right. Uh, More of the end of the line. I was in supply chain and manufacturing, that kind of stuff, not the development of them, but um, still, you know, I was working with pretty much everybody I was working with was 10 plus years older than me. And I was a, a program manager, project manager, where I had no actual positional influence, but I was required to hit certain milestones, hit dates, things where I, I couldn't go up to somebody and say, I need you to do this now because I'm your boss. It was, I need you to do this now because hopefully you like me enough that you're willing to do it and we have a good enough relationship. Right. (laughs) And so that was very much a deep end to start with. That wasn't my choice. That was, you know, that was the company's choice for putting me there. But, um, you know, that was a chance to really learn quickly. Right. And, and, was I great early on? Definitely not. There was a lot I had to learn, mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, how do you work with people, that kind of stuff, right? But eventually after, you know, a couple of years, I got got a hang of that. And then mm-hmm. when I jumped out to start my entrepreneurial journey, you know, I jumped in really, you know, just kind of, I don't want to say blindly, but somewhat knew I was really, it was going to be really hard when I started. And right. it was for a while um, and learned a lot and made big mistakes, Mm -hmm. you know, almost drained my savings and all the (laughs) other stories that you'll, you'll hear. Um, but you know, in the end of the day it, it worked out and that was, yes, it was uncomfortable at the time and it was scary. And I, Mm -hmm. I, I totally understand that that's a very valid feeling that, that everybody in those, in those shoes will have. But I think if you can just keep persevering and understand that, something good will come of what you're doing, right? Whether it's you're successful in your business or whatever you're trying to work on, or you just are learning some skills that will be valuable in whatever you do next. Right. Right. It might not be, you know, that business worked, but it might be, Oh, you've learned now how to, you know, 
manage people or like, you know, you use, use, use your journey as an example, right? Mm-hmm. With what you did in, in the restaurant space and you learned how to manage a space and learned how to manage people and mm-hmm. build an organization, right? You know? Active problem solving. Yeah. All that fun you stuff. You use all, all that way, stuff yeah. now when you, you know, ran the, the studio for a while, right? Mm-hmm. Like things like that, right? That, that those skills go with you. And so even if you aren't successful, quote unquote, in that specific venture, those skills will be valuable afterwards. So just having the belief that something good will come of what you're doing, right. regardless of success or failure, I think is a great way to keep that momentum going. Mm-hmm. And, and just that positive mindset of, of yes, I'm going to get something out of this Yeah, is one of the ways that it's probably the biggest thing that's helped me get through the hard times. Yeah. You know, it, I look at that as like a, uh, uh, you know, a friend uh, turned me on to this term a while back, but it's uh, promoted to your point of incompetence. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's, it's almost like that, right? Where you get this promotion, you get, you like start to level up and I'll use my, my example. Um, you know, I was a good server. They promoted me to bartender. I was a good bartender. They made me a good bar manager. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bar manager. Then I was an AGM and AGM. Now I'm a GM. And, mm-hmm. and to that, well, that I, to be completely fair, like when I got to that first GM spot, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what I'm doing. But at the same time, like I had a good team that was below me and I had a good team below them. So management team, staff, like mm-hmm. all that stuff was there that gave me the, uh, the, the platform to embrace the ignorance that I had, not just live in this knowledge that I'm promoted to my point of ignorance and incompetence, mm-hmm. but know that I had a team I I can depend on while I built my knowledge base. Mm -hmm. Now there is the counter of that where you, I've I've worked for people that have been promoted to their point of incompetence and just sat there cheering themselves on like, Congratulate me. I made it to the top point. I have no idea what I don't know and I don't fucking care because yeah, I'm the I'm top person. There. Yep. Right. Yep. And and that in any position, whether you're the lowest person in whatever company or the highest person in whatever company, you're always learning. You're always trying mm-hmm. to adjust and, and increase your knowledge base. And so yeah, promoted to that point of incompetence with the desire to still learn. Yeah. And to become competent. Yes. yes. There, there's there yeah, you have to have a curiosity to pretty much anything, really. Yeah. Uh, no matter regardless of where you are and, and how far you've gotten because that's the only way you'll keep going mm-hmm. right that's that's what you know like a lot of people at least when i was younger i remember thinking oh i'm done with school i'm i don't have to worry about any of this stuff anymore right yeah and that's never never been the case right you <laughs> always have to stay engaged you know uh-huh and not just to say like reading and all that kind of stuff but just learning right i highly recommend reading if you're right. not doing it right but like it, it, however you learn just keep learning yeah and keep challenging yourself and keep growing yeah and having that that positive mindset to it to really understand that, you know, it's not about today. It's about where you're trying to go. I think that's the other thing that I see trap that people fall into is it's, there's such short-term thinking with a lot of stuff instead Mm -hmm. of thinking long-term about what am I trying to build? What, where am I going? Where do I want to be? Like, that's one of the big things that I've, I mean, you and I have talked about this too, right? Mm Is like sitting down and saying, okay, I want to get there. That's where I want to be in five years. That's where I want to be in 10 years, whatever Mm -hmm. that number is. Right. Um, okay, how do I get there? What are the tools? What are the things I need to build? What are the things that I need to invest in mm-hmm. myself, business, whatever, to get to that point that I want to be and then go do the work, right? right. And, but knowing that like, you're not you're not there yet. That's, yeah. that's five years out. That's a long ways away. Like, mm-hmm. just take a step back and realize, okay, we got these pieces. Is I think when you look at it as a, oh my God, I want to be there tomorrow where you're, you're, you're comparing yourself to other people and saying they're already there. Why am I not there? Right. There's just so much more going on. Side note on that whole thing with other, comparing to other people. Yeah. Cause I've, I've had this conversation with a few friends recently, right? The idea that, you know, they, it's always easy to look at what other people are doing, but you almost never know what's really going on behind the scenes. Yes. So 
that's a really dangerous thing to fall into. And I would just caution people. But I think that's a can be a huge drain of ambition and drive. Right. Is you're like, oh my god, that person's already there. I'm not mm-hmm. there yet. What's wrong with me? Why why am I even trying anymore? Right. And it's, you got to understand, they might have started five years before you, or they might have had, you know rich parents that set them up to be successful. I mean, there's a lot exactly. of stuff like that yeah. that happens that you just don't, you, you can only start from where you are now and build better tomorrow mm-hmm. than you were yesterday. Right. You can't have the same level of whatever that they started with or that they, they managed to get access to. You can only focus on what you're doing. Right. Right. And I think that's another really important thing for people to keep in mind. Definitely. And it's good to have those, those, those role models to look at, you know, those, uh, the people that may have a business similar to yours or ambition similar to yours. But I think, you know, you, you, you hit it right on the head. Like we we're in this, we're in this world of instant gratification right now where we mm-hmm. think like we have this idea, we action it and boom, it, it takes and we're good. Right. Mm-hmm. We take a pill and all of a sudden the symptoms are gone. The, the sickness is still there, but the symptoms are gone. Right. Sure. So we're used to that instant gratification kind of thing, not knowing the work that needs to go into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the platforms that kind of got popularity during COVID was uh, clubhouse. Mm-hmm. And, yep. uh, and I, I haven't messed around too much on clubhouse, but I have some friends that have, and I've been on there a couple of times. Yeah. But one of the things I appreciate uh, in in conjunction with what you're talking about is Clubhouse gave the quote unquote normal human being like the you or me or, you know, somebody that's developing a business or something, the the opportunity to have direct contact with an Elon Musk or an Aubrey Marcus or, you know, mm-hmm. like a Bill Gates or a Rashida Wallace kind of thing, where you have these big fucking names of people that have success and that have very like calculated success, you tangible, like you can look at their books and see like, holy fuck, this person built some shit. Right. And with clubhouse that gave you the opportunity to talk to that person directly. Mm -hmm. Like you could look on clubhouse and see like, Oh shit, Elon Musk just started a a room and you can go in there and there's only four people in there. You can ask him anything you want, right? You have direct contact to Elon Musk in this platform Mm -hmm. and you can ask him like, how did you do this? What happened there? Where did you get your money? How did you start off? Like blah, blah, blah. All these questions that you might not be able to get those, those honest answers from that human being. So, you know, there's, and and I don't know how active clubhouse is now that COVID's kind of passed. Yeah, I know it has a bit of a story with its whole, they tried to, I think they were trying to IPO it or they're trying to raise uh, another round or something and like the numbers slowed down and I, I might be wrong. I, yeah. I've only heard like bits and pieces of that story, but well, I mean to, to echo that, I, I haven't heard really anything about Clubhouse since COVID. Well, I can say stopped, but since the world has reopened, yeah, yeah, Clubhouse has kind of teetered yeah. off. But you know, whereas you know, a shitty platform like Zoom is still flourishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's. I think that's more because that was a business tool for people. Totally. Whereas Clubhouse was more of a fun thing for yeah. a lot of people. But yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, but there are you know we, you do have access to these these folks, but. Um, but how, but like, again, the point of this podcast, you don't need to have access to Elon Musk to get good sound business advice, right? Mm-hmm. Your homie that practices next to you in your fucking yoga class for the past five years could be the biggest like advice giver you could possibly have if you just started a conversation yep. with him, exactly. which is Tom, right? Yeah. Tom and I knew each other for a long time and I knew what he did. And then finally one day we sat down and chatted and I'm like, God, we need to do this more often. Yeah. Exactly. And then from there, like, these are our conversations, right? Yep. yep. Like, find those people in your life. There's so many people around you that have really good advice and really good sound whatever advice you're looking for if you are vulnerable enough to ask the question and yes. admit, admit yeah. that you, one, need help or even your ignorance in something. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah, you hit it, you hit it perfectly, which is, I, I, I think you have to have the vulnerability to be willing to ask the question and understand 
what you don't know. Yeah. And, and there's a lot that you don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot that all of us don't know. Uh, right. It's just, you can't even have it in your brain, right? There's just, that's, that's find somebody you trust mm-hmm. and then listen to what they have to say about it. Right. Like, I think one of the things that I, I forget where this comes from, but the idea basically being that like, you can't make all the same mistakes as everybody else throughout your life <laughs> because otherwise you would, you just don't live long enough. Right. You have to learn from the people that came before you. Yeah. Um, the collective humanity that's out there and what has been done because we're all building on the back of the people that came before us. And mm-hmm. so you, you have to embrace the fact that you're only going to be able to have so much knowledge right. and the way to get more of it or other pieces or understand different perspectives is by talking to people. And that's the only way it's the, uh, there's no other, I mean, books are great too yeah. for reading and, and understanding, but then you're getting a distilled perspective. You're not getting it straight from, Right. the individual and getting, you know, that chance to go back and forth mm-hmm. instead of just one point of view and just reading it. And okay, that's what I've heard. Right. It's got a place, super important still, Exactly. but definitely having those conversations, being vulnerable enough to have them with people. Mm-hmm. And I, that's a, that's a, that'll be very beneficial, um, really in any journey, but especially in entrepreneurship right. when it's very uncharted, the map is very open. There's a lot of ways you can go with it. You kind of mm-hmm. want to make sure you have, pieces to help you along the way. Right. You know, and, and, you know, with, with book reading, for example, I love reading and it's one of my favorite ways to ingest knowledge, but you know, what, what I found is that, you know, let's say I read a book on, um, on marketing for myself, right. Mm-hmm. I read a book on marketing and I read it cover to cover. And then I feel like, shit, I got to action all these things, right. Mm-hmm. There's like, let's say there's 17 topics in this book that take me from, you know, launching my company to, you know, optimizing my search engine, right. Everything in between all this shit. Right. Yep. And, and it even maybe have steps, step one, step two, step three. But as the, the reader that when I'm done with that book, I'm like, Oh my God, there's all this knowledge to have. Cool. Okay. Let's figure out how to action this. Whereas if you have a conversation with somebody or say you have a teacher or mentor or something like that, that person that's guiding the conversation, that teacher that's in, that's giving them the information out mm-hmm. has that ability to gauge what you're taking in yes. and yep. to say, okay, cool. You've had enough information today digest that next time we talk we're going to dive deeper it's not like you have to read the whole book in that one conversation and then take that away and go action all that stuff yeah so that's where i found that help in in our conversations and in uh in in just having a mentor or teacher is that they can kind of adjust the information that makes it more digestible to the human being that they're talking to and then gauge whether or not they've had enough, had too much, need to dial it back or whatever mm-hmm. that is. So that, that skilled teacher or that skilled conversator is really important sometimes in that in that process. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I think that's one of the things that, that is the mark of a great teacher, right? I mean, you, you, what you're talking about, the idea that, that you can understand what the person needs that you're talking to and how you can distill it down. I mean, that's, I think one of the things when you find people that are ahead of you on the journey, right? And that's, mm-hmm. we talk about mentors, things like that, right? super valuable as well because they can help you contextualize things that, you know, a book was written for the mass audience, right? Right. It's written for everybody to read. Um, but that's not always what everybody needs. It doesn't mean they don't have great ideas, Mm -hmm. but starting to distill it down into, okay, well, these are the main building blocks that you need for this or you need for that. And okay, this is exactly what you need right now because you're getting started, which means you need this little piece or Mm -hmm. you're further along, you need this piece. And that's where great teachers, like you said, can tailor that down. So yeah, Yeah. it's always, Always good to, to get more information. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Knowledge is uh, 
knowledge is power. <laughs> it really is. You know, it just meta- metaphorically think of that rainbow yes. from the PSAs back in the nineties. You know, the yeah. more, you know, right. The more, you know, Hell yeah, yes, man. exactly. That's all. Well, I, uh, I, I want to kind of pivot here a little bit yeah. and, um, and, uh, you know, talk about how some of the ways you've helped me, because that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you yeah, on. Definitely. And, and so I'll use myself as the, the example case here, because Tom has helped me like flush out my ideas and mm-hmm. some are still being flushed out. Some are being actioned already. Um, but so for those that don't know what I do outside of this podcast, I, um, I pivoted from my, my corporate job a couple years back, um, and, uh, started teaching yoga full time, um, and doing, uh, I'm a Reiki practitioner, Reiki master, sound healer. Um, so switch from, you know, this corporate, you know, 60 to 70 hour a week job, uh, benefits, pay, all that bullshit, right. To now working on my own, having to generate my own income, um, market and advertise myself, Mm -hmm. develop my business ideas to see where this, this longevity will take me. And so, um, you know, some of the things that I've seen as a a bystander in this, in this industry before becoming active in this industry was you have a lot of people that have great ideas. Like they're charis, let's say charismatic yoga teacher, right? Mm-hmm. They've got a good following and they've drawn on that following and now decided they want to open up a business, a brick and mortar, right? Sure. And so they open up a yoga studio or they, you know, they want to continue that on on their own. So they, they take this charismatic group that they've, that they've developed and they've opened the studio and then it just kind of, where do you go from yes. there? Right. Yep. It's like, okay, I have the doors open. I'm hiring teachers. I have classes, but then things kind of go by the wayside because a lot of times it's, it's a single owner operator mm-hmm. that is trying to manage a staff of like probably 30 yoga teachers that also work at multiple different studios. Plus yep. also have regular jobs outside of that. Um, now we have the COVID time where you have, you know, limited size classes We're yep. mandated with masks, all this shit. Right. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into the, the operation of the business once it's open yep. that a lot of people might not really consider or be overwhelmed with as soon as they find out. Yeah. So, um, so some of the things that you've helped me with is really looking at, and like you said, that five-year plan, like mm-hmm. what is, what's going on with you and how do you look at your plan and, and what, you know, where's the longevity, mm-hmm. where's the wiggle room, all this stuff. Right. Yep. Um, so in, in that, like starting a new business, right. Mm-hmm. You've got all the things going, where, like, where do you take that from there? Like once you hit that first like roadblock, I guess that first roadblock of like the, the understanding of the weight of the business that you're, that you're holding now, mm-hmm. I guess one first, like, how do you push through that? Like, how do you persevere and like have that, that courage to say, sure. okay, I got this. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's definitely not easy. Yeah. Uh, I think that's always the first thing to acknowledge. Just like, you can feel pretty overwhelmed by things. That's, that's a, very reasonable emotional state to have in that situation, taking a step back. Um, I think kind of to piggyback off what we were talking about um, earlier is that's, that's a spot where a lot of times having a good support network and people that can kind of help keep you motivated, right. Mm. um, Is good. It's another reason why it's great to to talk to other people about what you're doing because then what will happen and as kind of a, a a byproduct, it's like, Oh, how is that going? You know, how's, project so-and-so like how's that going right and then you know if you get as you get constantly reminded about that you're like you know i got i I need to see this thing through right like i don't want to i don't want to look like i'm failing right Mm -hmm. Uh, and that little bit of social pressure can be a great way to get through some of those Hmm. early roadblocks um at least for me right people always ask okay how's that project going it's like oh okay you know this is what we're doing when we can't fall behind right one of the things that uh one of my good friends um who runs a nonprofit called 
well, it was called student R and D. I think it still is. Maybe it's called code day now, which was their, their big thing was trying to help, um, kids, um, learn how to code early on in their lives. Oh, cool. Um, my buddy Tyler Menezes, he was the vice, um, vice president of, of my high school when I was the president our senior year. Oh, cool. Uh, we were on a robotics team, a bunch of things. He's a real smart guy, probably Very one nice. of the smartest guys I've ever met in my life. Um, but, uh, one of the things that he told me to do early on with the startup stuff that I was doing, cause he's done a, a few himself was to send like a regular email out every month or every week to just people that are interested, right? Mm. Not even people that are, um, maybe investors, but it would be great if they were, right? That's a good thing to do with your investors, keep them up to speed, but just generally stakeholders, I guess, people that are interested in what you're doing right. as a way to just stay accountable, right? And say, hey, here, here's what we did this week. Here's what we did this month. Here's the milestones we hit. Here's where we need help, right? Mm-hmm. Can you help me with this? And that's a great extension of kind of that, that bringing the community along with you in the support network. And that's a great way to break through some of those barriers and just keep it going. Mm. Um, but you have to have the right perspective on it. Cause if you look at it as like a chore or something that you feel bad doing, you're not going to do it. So really use it as a tool to help you move forward. Use it as a way to leverage that network you've built. Those people that are helping you out and people that are just excited about what you're doing and, right. and your success and give them an opportunity to, to stay, stay with you and help you motivate through those mm. barriers. Right. Yeah. So that's, I think one of, uh, it's a small thing, but it's definitely helpful. It, 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 you know, that it really is. And I think, you know, sharing that idea at that point too, like you said, helps keep you accountable, right? That, that, that you're working towards because other people know what your goals are. Yep. But, um, but I really, yeah, I, I love that. And, and, you know, when I was in restaurants, um, when I first started in restaurants, I was kind of ignorant about, you know, business in general. And I'm like, well, you know, very, uh, I guess, uh, scarce, right? Like mm-hmm. this is my, my mm-hmm. stuff, like my ideas. Yep. And, uh, and my mentor at the time, Jeff, um, he was, uh, he was the GM when I was, when he promoted me and he, uh, he started taking me to these restaurant meetings where a bunch of people from different restaurants from all around the Seattle area would meet Some were our neighbors, right? You know, our mm-hmm. neighbor restaurants. And at the time I didn't know how invaluable those neighbors were. I thought we were competitors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we started going to these restaurant meetings and, and sharing proprietal ideas, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is Jillian's billiards clubs ideas for how to set up pool tables for, a, for banquet events. Like yeah. that's. Theoretically, that's our idea, but we're sharing that to the public. Like, what the hell is this? You know. Mm-hmm. But then we're getting shares from like Duke's Chowder House. We like this. We do this with our presentation of this thing. And then you have, you know, Anthony's Homeport that's saying, "Hey, we do this, and this is really good for guest satisfaction." It's like, holy shit, we're all sharing ideas yep. because we see the benefit of everybody working towards this similar goal. Yep. Right. And that's that abundance again. Like when you find that community of people that you can share your ideas with openly, whether it's an individual or a group of people that really helps you shake loose some of these ideas and you know burst past those plateaus we talked about earlier yeah exactly and i know you were kind of starting that conversation a little bit with some of the self-branding and branding side Mm -hmm. so we can we can jump into some of that too and i'll give you like a couple couple thoughts on that side and then we can we can get into more of the detailed stuff but um i think like number one of the things you know you and i have talked about is number one i think it's obviously a great idea to invest in your personal brand especially with the way I, I think, um, and from our conversations, I think the world is heading mm-hmm. with a lot of, you know, automation, things like that coming into play. You being your, like you as yourself, your personal brand, you, what you can do, what you stand for, what the world knows you can do and you stand for is going to be one of the ways to stand out in, mm-hmm. I think, what is to be the next 10, 15 years of 
of our lives, at least with the, with things becoming more automated, mm-hmm. but you can't automate an individual. And that's where a brand and standing for something, I think is number one is really valuable. And the right. way you build that, at least in, in my experience, and I, I've never been a big proponent of this. We're kind of getting into it a little bit now. Um, but, but I've always been a, a fan that you kind of have to have done it before you talk about it. Mm. I can, I, I feel like, yes, you can fake it till you make it. There's certainly validity to that statement, but for me personally to then go out and speak about something, I want to know that I've done it just for my own right. um, confidence in it. And just because I don't, I've seen a lot of people out there that, that don't, and this is speaking more from the business side of things, right? You've got a, there's a lot of business quote unquote gurus out there. And I've, once you kind of know what the formula is and how they follow it and whatnot, it's very easy to see the people that are completely full of it. And yeah. there's a lot of them out there right. very much are. Um, but that doesn't mean that that, I mean, they're all making money and they're all making a lot of money doing it. Still right. doesn't mean they're doing it in what I would consider to be a very ethical way, but right. they're, <laughs> there's still, there's still success there, which I think shows that the, obviously the personal branding side of things is valuable and understanding how to build a brand for yourself mm-hmm. is definitely a valuable skill. Um, and, and the platforms will change and I'll talk about a few of them, but obviously things come and go, you know, not, not like, you know, Facebook's been around for a while. Instagram's been around for a while. They'll probably still be around for a while, but you know, the names and the platforms may change, but the ideas right. and the concepts for how you utilize those tools, mm-hmm. that's really all they are is tools for you to communicate. Right. And, and using them to build your audience is valuable. I think number one, uh, one thing I would definitely say is if you're starting a, a business or you're even somewhat into a business already, uh, invest in making sure you have uh, the contact information for any customers and people that you're you're engaging with. So mm-hmm. like email addresses, right? That's a huge valuable asset when it comes to building a brand. So getting a follower on Instagram is great. Getting a follower on you know Facebook, TikTok, whatever it is, is awesome. But find a way to get that person to then either give you their email or some point of contact because if you can, that's now one step closer to turning that person into a true fan, right? right. Because now you have a way to proactively reach out and start a conversation, build, build that trust, no like, and trust, right. With that, that potential customer. And, mm-hmm. and eventually they'll buy from you and then keep the relationship going. Right. If you're yeah. really building a personal brand, it's about the relationship with the customers. And yes, there are going to be some people early on that you'll, you'll probably know a little better than the ones later on, but you right. have to build those. You have to really be committed. You know, that, that customer first idea, same thing when you're trying to build a personal brand, it's, it's customer first, Stay committed to that, and that's mm-hmm. going to be a good way to get forward. So I think tactically, from the perspective, like, what do you do, boots on the ground, how do you get there? I would say, you know, finding a way to get people to put their email, and you and I have talked about this before, mm-hmm. right? When you've been trying to work on your site, you know, hey, how can I build a, an easy thing that people want, right? You have to give them something in exchange for something like that. So in your case, we've talked about maybe make a list of flows, right, that right. people could download. These are the flows that I like. Here's why I picked them, you know, as long as – and, and just to caveat that too, obviously the content needs to be good, Yes. right? You can't yeah. just give away just crap to people and because yeah. remember you're building a relationship. So everything you do is a touch point and it's, it's building your reputation with that individual. Now I don't say that to also scare people that it needs to be perfect because it doesn't have to be perfect. You definitely start like 50% is a good spot. Like get, yeah. get close and try it and then use the feedback to make it better, mm-hmm. right? Take the feedback from the customers and, and the people that are downloading your stuff and ask them, say, hey, what, what else could I have used? And this doesn't all have to be you know, overwhelming in the sense that like you have to send all these individual emails out, right? There's so many tools out there that can help you build this as well. Right, um, yeah. You know, there's, 
uh, I mean, the big one, most of the clients and businesses I work with is called Clavio. It's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O, okay. um, which is which is kind of the, the gold standard, at least right now in the email space. But there's MailChimp. There's a number, mm-hmm. number of other ones out there, right? And you can build automated sequences where somebody downloads something and then they get another email from you three days later. They get another one seven days later. And you can just build it all out and then see how that does, right? It's going to take some time to mm-hmm. get it all sent so you can see how people are engaging. But then you just look at the numbers and you say, okay... And, and this is where, you know, I can help provide some stuff for benchmarks for people to understand. But, mm-hmm. you know, for email, as an example, if you can get above a one and a half percent click through rate on something, you've done pretty well. If you can get an open rate above 15, 20 percent right now, you, you're doing pretty well. Now, that's current industry levels. Mm-hmm. Ten years ago, they were higher. Five years from now, they'll probably be lower because people will engage less with their email. But right. And there's all sorts of different tools that can come along to do this kind of stuff, right? So email is one great tool. But you know, phone numbers now, if you can get those and mm-hmm. SMS, text message things can be great as well as yep. a way to keep people engaged. Those numbers should be higher because people are more engaged on their phones than they are on their email. So right. you would expect to have higher open rates and higher click-through rates on those than you would if you were doing email. But, mm-hmm. you know, these are all great ways to build your audience, right? So you're, you're, you you need to keep the, keep the customer and the audience that you're trying to build at the center. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean it's for everybody, right. right? It's for people that are in your tribe, the people that you know are going to resonate with what you're trying to build. So, mm-hmm. you know, with the yoga space and, and everything that you're doing, right, it's it's people like me, people that are yogis, right? It's not going to be for the average average person, you know, down the street, right? It's, right? it's specific to an audience. So then don't take that, you know, if people are critical of, you, of you, what you're doing, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to take that to heart either because if they're not part from your group, they're not the right, right people, then you don't really – like they weren't going to be your customer anyway. Right. Yeah. So keeping that perspective is also important. So, yeah. so understanding who you're going for, right. Who's your audience and then finding ways to keep them engaged yeah. with you. So you can build that relationship, build no like, and trust, right. So they, they know who you are, they trust what you're doing and then they like you as an individual. That's going to be how you start to build your audience. And then some of these tools can be used to make that happen. Mm. So. I love that. Yeah. And that's, I think that that last part, especially about knowing your audience and, and being able to work, be able to work within that parameter is mm-hmm. so important. I've seen so many people bastardize their concepts just for business, mm-hmm. just for the, the, the one customer to come in the door. They're going to change everything about what their concept is just to satisfy this one person. Mm-hmm. They might not ever come back. They might not even like what you're doing. They just want to bully their way into what they, what they want, right. Or whatever the reason is, but like, you know, in, in restaurants, we, we very rarely talked about this, but you know, sometimes you have to fire guests, mm-hmm. right. And not every not, your, your concept is not for everybody. And if you're gonna, if you're going to bastardize or change vastly your concept to one person to just that one person, be ready for every single person. Mm-hmm. And that's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Like it's be impossible. okay. Exactly. Be okay with knowing what you want, what you want to accomplish and not being able to waver from that. Yeah. You know, or knowing where your wiggle points are, but still not, not wavering from that shit you yeah know? exactly yeah. yeah it's it's you know like if if you've got somebody you know coming into the studio and they're they're demanding a certain way in the class or whatever right like okay no um you know we we keep our heat here we do this or that or whatever right mm-hmm. but if somebody comes to you afterwards and says you know hey you've transitioned too quickly with that pose you didn't let people open their body up and this like that feedback's probably useful That's because very it, active it, feedback. It, yeah, yeah, it fits with what you're trying to do. It helps you become better as a teacher. Whereas some of the other stuff, like somebody complaining about, you know, the color of the walls or something, <laughs> yeah. something silly, right? I mean, that's a silly example, but that's just. Don't take that to heart. That's that's somebody else's problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's their problem that they're coming in with. And right. That negative energy they're bringing in Definitely. is not something that you need to worry about. So, yeah, yeah it, it does require some perspective to understand when you do take feedback and when mm-hmm. you don't. But, 
I think knowing at least that you will evolve what you're doing and knowing who you're going for mm-hmm. and then using some of these tools to keep people engaged so you can build your, your brand, you, yeah. who you are, what, and, and just, you know, it's kind of cliche, but you know, speak, speak from the heart, speak for what you're trying to do, right? right. Like know yourself and be confident enough that it's going to work out for you right. and, and stick with it because it will eventually, mm-hmm. I almost, I, I can almost guarantee it with almost everything. That's where the perseverance comes in, right? You're not going to build a personal brand in a day, in a week, in a month. But give it a year or two. If you stay committed to it, I almost can guarantee you will start to build a following. Every major person out there you've seen that has a a significant personal brand, they probably started multiple years ago and did not do all that well for the first couple of years. Right. Um, no matter how good they were at it. It it just takes time. You have to get your name out there. Brands aren't built overnight. They don't suddenly exist. Not everybody knew about McDonald's when it started or any of these big names mm-hmm. that you, Starbucks, whatever, whatever brand, exactly. throw in whatever brand you want. Right. They didn't start as what they are today. They started from, from nothing, from one store, from yeah. one location, whatever. Totally. So it takes time because you almost think about it. Like the brand that you're building is like an individual. It's like a, a thing, an entity that mm. needs to come into being. And it has to be introduced to all sorts of different people. Like it can't yeah. just all of a sudden, be the biggest thing ever, right? So yeah. you have to have the perspective to know it's going to take time. But if you implement the right tools, you stay active with it, you stay consistent, you you will get there. Mm. I, I can almost I, I can almost guarantee it. Yeah, I, I've seen it just too many times where people it's just it's just consistency. That I, that that's the word right there, consistency. You know, and that's you know what we tell people in our yoga practice too. You know, somebody asked me like, how do you start doing handstands? Be consistent with your practice. Mm-hmm. How do you start? Do, be consistent with your practice. Yeah. How do you fix your? Be consistent with your practice. Right. Be consistent. Have that consistency. Have that perseverance to push through. Mm-hmm. And and you know because it is in this example for at least for for what we're talking about now this the, this is more often than not a very personal brand mm-hmm. i am i am putting myself as adam real out there yep. as a as a reiki practitioner as a yoga instructor as a sound healer i'm not like the generic you know come see you know reiki llc right yeah. you know come visit this uh, this practitioner adam that works at reiki llc yeah. you know this is like adam's practitioners yeah. space right yep and so like with a lot of the stuff this is you as that personal brand yep and so it is important and i think a lot of it too at least for me i'll speak from my personal experience there was a lot of uh apprehension on my side in the beginning of like totally i don't know if people really care mm-hmm. that much about me and i don't know if my ego is strong enough to be putting myself out there mm-hmm. and to have like let's say i post a youtube video mm-hmm. about yoga and shit and then all of a sudden i start to get negative comments right there's i'm the brand of the person that that negativity yeah. is being forced towards yeah. but at the same time like there's that's that's part of that entrepreneurial idea that you're working towards, right? You're going to put content out there. You can put ideas out there that might land beautifully, but that people might also have feedback with, right? So that's yeah. part of that. Exactly. Um, so learning how to embrace the brand that you are creating and also how to receive the feedback, positive and negative, like we were mm-hmm. talking earlier. Mm-hmm. Not everything has to be read. Not everything has to land. Not everything has to be actioned. No, right? And most of it won't. Most of it won't, exactly. Yeah. A lot of times it's like, cool, I hear you. I appreciate what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for your knowledge. And then you get to choose what you do with that, even if you don't do anything with it, right? Yep. But sometimes that person just wants to be heard. And if they're a client of yours or a regular visitor of your establishment or your brand, then give them that that space to hear them. But you don't have to action that shit. Nope. Right? Nope. That's, yeah. that's, that's where the self-discretion comes in. You got you to gotta be able to make those decisions. That's kind of where... He, 
where you you put on your entrepreneurship hat and say, okay, I'm I'm in charge. Mm-hmm. I'm making the decision here to either take this or not. Yeah. And, I, and I think with you know you brought up a good point, which I think is the, the the big risk to a personal brand and what is oftentimes where people struggle, right? Is it's it's your face, it's your name, it's it's certainly it's very 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 personal. Right. Um. It's it's tricky, but I would flip that in some ways and say. I think it's a big advantage if you actually are willing to put your face and your name on something. Because a lot of the brands that, that, that I've built with the team that I have and, mm-hmm. and what we've done is um, we don't have faces on them. They're just standalone things that we've built, kind of right. like your your example of like a Ricky LLC, right? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's more challenging to build those than it is if you're willing to put your face on it and say, hey, listen, this is what I have. This is who I am. Because people buy people is something that I, I think works really well especially in the personal brand space people like to buy from people they like and so if you can really put yourself out there and and portray yourself and it doesn't mean you have to act a certain way or be a certain way it's just be yourself and find Mm -hmm. the people that resonate with the energy that you're bringing and you know they're gonna buy into what you're doing because of you And, and people are far more likely to buy from a person than they are from just a nameless entity right so having that personality actually is a big if you can get over that hurdle, it can be a huge asset mm. and give you a lot of opportunities that other people that are building, you know, nameless brands right. don't have. Like we, we've seen this when we work with, you know, influencers and people that have a brand that mm-hmm. we then, you know, pay to promote our content. Right. Those are sometimes some of the best things we've ever done. They don't always work, but right. because the audience trusts them, they've been watching them trust them. They're willing to trust what that person gives them right mm-hmm. like this idea that, that they've basically vetted that yeah. concept or that product or whatever and so there is a significant benefit to having a personal brand and i think if you can get over that hurdle mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a significantly beneficial investment and one that i would highly recommend yeah i uh, i have a great example of that i um i think early let's see early 2000s maybe 2005 I started. Uh, I started looking at different ways to optimize my brain. Right, mm-hmm. I'm I'm in my 40s now, so I'm getting older. Brain cognition, blah blah blah. But also, when I was in my early 20s, I was still doing a lot of damage to my brain, like mm-hmm. still drugs, alcohol, all that shit. Right. Yeah. So I was looking to find ways to just you know get the brain kicking again, and I discovered this product called Alpha Brain from a company called Onnit, mm-hmm. and it's a nootropic, and it was really great. You know, boost your uh, cognitive thinking, vocabulary recall, all this good stuff, and it was working great. But at the time, it I, I, I took it for maybe like six months and I stopped because it got expensive and I just couldn't find it in my budget. And I wasn't really that focused on my personal health. It was mm-hmm. more of like a fad I was trying to figure out. Mm. <clears throat> and uh, so I, I got away with it. I got away from it. And then um, – but within the past, let's say, three years – um, I started listening to this guy, Opry Marcus. I talk about him a lot on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I love his podcast, Opry Marcus podcast. Um, and, uh, he's got just good information. He's a great podcaster. And, but through that, I found out that he's the CEO of on it. Mm. Right. And so, and he, you know, on it, since he's the CEO, he talks about alpha brain a lot. He's one of the sponsors You know, he's uh, on one of their sponsors. So I hear the commercials all the time, but their commercials done with him talking about the product he developed and mm-hmm. the benefits he feels from it. And one, you know, it, it regenerated that idea of like, oh, that's right. I used to take this and I liked it. I can actually afford it now. But 
the thing for me was now I know the person that made it mm -hmm. and I hear that voice and I trust him because I've been listening to his podcast for a couple of years at that point. And then, you know, like hearing him talk about that product that I remembered that I liked yep. now I'm back on it and I've been on it for about a year or so, yeah. you know? And so with him, and there's another guy named Ben Greenfield that lives out in Spokane that has a company called Keon that, uh, talks about that, uh, amino acids, branched chain amino acids, essential mm -hmm. amino acids, uh, different types of, uh, supplements that because I listen to his podcast and I trust him as a human being through the information he shared in his podcast, now I'm a regular user of his products too. Mm -hmm. So I 100% agree with that. You know, once you know the person and you recognize the information and you can trust it, I yeah, I find I find space in my budget to spend money with them because I trust them. Yeah. Yeah, and I, th I think you, you, I mean, the trust thing you were hitting on there and, and the, the fact that one thing you mentioned with uh, the second podcast you were talking about there mm -hmm. is the uh, the fact that he's sharing information, right? And right. that's, I think, the other thing that's important when it comes to this personal brand, kind of the idea that we were talking about earlier of sharing your ideas, sharing your information, sharing what you have to the community that you're trying to build is one of the best, probably the best way to build that audience as well right mm -hmm. and that's when you were talking about the idea of you know for you having a, some flows that people can download things like that right that is a great demonstration of your expertise right because that's really what you're you're ultimately doing is mm -hmm. you're trying to establish yourself as an expert with this audience right and the way you do that is by sharing your expertise you have to show it that's the best way to get people to understand you know you can say yeah i'm a you know, I'm a certified this, or I've done this for 500 hours, or I've taught for 20 years or whatever, right? That's all great and everything. But a lot of times you just have to show it to people. You have to actually demonstrate that knowledge for them. And a personal brand is one of the best ways to do that. Right. But I think that's, if you're looking for the foundation of what you should include in a personal brand, mm -hmm. that knowledge and sharing that and not being afraid to, to know that, yeah, okay, you are giving away a lot of value, a lot of good knowledge that, that, you know, yeah, it took you years probably to build, but that's, what's going to build your reputation with mm. that audience. So be willing to share your knowledge with people. Don't, don't hoard it. Don't, you right. know, keep it for yourself. That's how you're going to build. It's one of the, one of the great ways content wise as far as what you're sharing. You know, we talked about tactics earlier a little bit, but mm. this is more of a, okay, what, what do I do? Right. That's the stuff I would definitely recommend yeah. including in that. Cause that's how you're going to be able to build that that know, like, and trust. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so with, uh, so we, you've, you've talked a little bit about like that, that ways to get people's email addresses sure. uh, or the importance of, you know, yeah. uh, text messages, things like that. And, uh, so one of the ways, one of the advice that you gave me for that is, um, like say like you have a website, mm -hmm. so which I highly recommend like if you're on your own, yeah, if you're on your own, you need one, get yourself a website. Yep. I'm building mine right now, uh, by the, by the force of Tom, uh, mm -hmm. Tom has been helping me and, uh, and pushing me very gently and, and very hard sometimes to, to, to do this. Um, and, uh, but you know, you, um, it's funny because you put context to it, but you know, not knowing ahead of time, I always used to get annoyed when those pop up screens would pop up on websites and be like, 10% mm -hmm. off, just give us your mm -hmm. email. And, and I never really put it together that it was like those were popping up. I was, I was going to close out of the website mm -hmm. because the website can sense yeah, that. It's you called know, they, an exit pop up. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So talk, you know, talk about stuff like that. So those are those little ways that, that, the websites are designed to catch your information before you leave. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's why they are is because they know that that's an opportunity for them to keep building the relationship with you as a potential customer afterwards. If mm -hmm. they can get your email now, you know, the 10% off, 15% off or whatever, the, all those ones are a little gimmicky now at this point. That's right. why like, you know, we've talked about it. I think a better thing you do is give 
give something people want. Right. 10-15% off, sure, maybe it's nice, but usually most of the people, it's more from a business perspective, like I, when I talk to clients that have e-commerce websites, right? Giving that out is not as valuable because usually those people that are going to put their email in are going to be people that are going to buy anyway. Okay. They're just looking for a discount before they buy, right? You're not getting people that are new, people that are mm. early on. So the, the and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a little technical with, with business, with like e-commerce here especially, right? But okay. one of the concepts that I learned early on that was really valuable was this idea of a funnel. Okay. Right, and if you've never heard of a funnel before, um, it visualized an actual funnel. Right, okay. I'm sure most people have actually seen a funnel in their Big life. Big at the top, small at the bottom. Yes, yep. exactly. Just visualize that, and what happens usually is you have people that fall within different stages. Right, so at the bottom, imagine that's a customer that gave you their money, they bought something from you. Right, that's the end of the funnel. Okay. But the beginning of the funnel is people that are generally unaware that you exist. Right, they have no idea who you are, have no idea what you stand for, they have no idea what you're offering, mm-hmm. know nothing about you. Right. And a funnel is, you know, visualizes typically you have phases of it, which is how you move people through that journey. And that's how you can convert people from never hearing from you and never knowing who you are to maybe being your biggest fan at the end of that. And that mm-hmm. can take, you know, weeks, it can take months, it can take years. You, you know, the, the length of time required to make that funnel happen is different for every individual. But, and by individual, I mean every customer that comes through it, right? right. Um, but visualizing it that way and thinking about, okay, what do I want to give people at each stage of this so that they can start to build or I can start to build that know, like, and trust with them mm-hmm. so they move on to the next phase, right? So oftentimes you see funnels broken down typically into like four-ish phases. There's like the early consideration phase and I'm, I'm blanking on the names of the three. People have all sorts of different names for them, but right, right. essentially the beginning is nobody, they don't, know, they don't know anything about you. The middle is like they know a little bit, but they're not really ready to buy. And then the, the last couple phases are more like objection handling. So mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I don't want to buy from you because I – the price is too high or I don't want to buy from you because it's going to take five days to ship to me or the, or whatever the reason is that they're in their head, they're saying, I'm not going to buy from you. Gotcha. And this is where, you know, engaging your customers, having a dialogue so you can understand what those are is super valuable. Cause then you can use that to tailor what you're doing in that phase of the funnel to make sure that they actually get to the end of the funnel and they convert. Yeah. Cause right? they're at that point now where you pretty much lock them in as some kind of a guest, some kind of a paying client. So like yeah. we can, we can maneuver some things to make sure. Work, yeah. Right? Yeah. Or, or, you know, they're like right on the edge. They've been, yeah. they've added to the, like, oftentimes you'll see it in, in like a, a, a an e-commerce funnel is like they've added to their cart, right? They gotcha. put it in their cart, but they've never checked out. Yeah. Why have they not checked out? Right. Uh, they were busy. They walked away. Okay, great. Let's get them an email to remind them to come back and buy. Sometimes that does it. Or, no, they uh, decided it's not the right fit for them right now. They want to buy it in six months. They want to wait for your holiday sale. They want to wait for this. They, mm. The price is too high or the price is too low even in some cases. Right? Like, I don't believe it's worth anything because it's like, you know, there is a fine balance there. If you price yourself too low, then people are like, well, this is not worth anything. It's right. a cheap piece of crap, right? So, you know, there, there is a balance. But but those could all be reasons for why. And so I, I think one of the things, you know, to, to loop back to what we were talking about, right, and, and you know, it's talking about that free downloadable up front and mm-hmm. how you get emails and things like that is, is that still that consideration phase at the very top end of the funnel? And so the question I would always ask ask is, okay, if I know my audience and I know who I'm trying to attract into my brand or who I who my clients should be or who I want them to be, what can I give them early on to get them to start to get to know me? Hmm. And it should serve really two purposes. One is it it's provides value to them, right? right? Something that's that they will find useful, but also is a good representation. And this is the second point of you and what you're trying to ultimately offer at the end. So it needs to be tied to the, to the end product of right. what they're going to buy. So if you're selling, you know, uh, yoga training and giving away like a free, uh, Xbox up front doesn't make any sense, <laughs> yeah, right? That's right. a, that's a 
dramatic example, but but you want to make sure it's tailored to what the experience should be, right? Yeah. Uh, and so that's the question I would ask is, okay, what is that piece that you can, you can do? And, and I like free downloadable PDFs for many reasons. Number one, it's free for you as a business owner, right? You do have to create it, you do have to host it, but it's generally free to send it to people, okay. right? Um, so that that makes it easy for you. It can be automated. You don't have to do it on your own time. Anybody can opt into that at any point in time throughout the day. They could do it at 2 a.m. You could be asleep and they can still get the content, right? Mm. So it's a great way to remove yourself from that so you can work on other things that are more important right, right. later on. Um, but it's also... Like I said, it's free. It's 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 easy. It's a downloadable. It's not that big of a deal for mm. you to host and pay for it. So it's a great way. Other times people will do um, sometimes things that do cost money. Like in client businesses, they'll give away you know a free month of this, or they'll give you some free service or whatever. And and you got to figure out for your audience what that is, right? Um, th- there's a <laughs> one of these bias I was the other day where somebody's it's like find out what your audience's crack is. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. a little blunt, but that's, that's what he's, figure out what they, what they want so bad that it's like that. Yeah. And so, yeah. Definitely. And so just to give context, so Tom, the, the advice Tom gave me for, for this idea, um, one of the ideas that I'm flushing out right now is doing a, an online, uh, ongoing yoga, uh, yep. instructor training and, and, you know, classes and things like Which that. A great idea. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, Tom helped me flush out the idea and I'm still working on it, but the, uh, the free, uh, the free offer that Tom advised me to give, um, because I'm a yoga instructor, I've been teaching for a long time. And, you know, so one, one side of this is to help people understand that, that, that might not know me that I do actually know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like I have this content to give out and because I have this content and it's put together this way, like this should lead you to know that I actually know what I'm doing, mm-hmm. but also it's valuable for a teacher yeah. to have this. And so what the, the, the advice he gave me was r- give out your flows, right? Yeah. And, that, uh, and yeah. I, you know, as a yoga instructor, I write down all my flows. Like that's just the, the way my brain works. I like to, to write things down, memorize them. And then, you know, I go from there make adjustments where I need to, but I do have something tangible to go back to if I need to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so basically I've got like three to five books full of flows that I've done over the past five to seven years. And, um, and so like that was an e- easy one for me. Cause it's yep. like, I'm not tied to this. I didn't develop yoga. I didn't like design these flows, right? They're not mine. They're not proprietal, right? They're, they're, they're poses that anybody can find out there. I've just put them together in a specific yes. way. Yeah. Right. And so I'm not losing anything in my side. I'm not like creatively controlling that. It's mm-hmm. like free to me to give it out there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's say you sign up for, um, you know, to, to give me your email. And when you do that, I'm going to give you five of my favorite flows. Plus I'm going to give you access to my Spotify account. So you can use some of the playlists that I use. Mm-hmm. Right. Again, exactly. that's not music that I've made. I might've put those songs in a specific playlist order, but that, again, that's not proprietor. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm like the owner of this order of this music. Like Bikram says, he's the order of this, this yeah, well, order a, yeah. of this, uh, Owner yeah. of this order of yoga, yeah. right? So, um, so yeah, so that's that's easy for me, and that again, that shows whoever my clients are potentially going to be or currently are that if they download this content from me, they look at it and be like, oh shit, man, that's interesting ways to put that together. Okay, yep. we yep. we trust Adam. We're gonna sign up for this workshop that he's yep. gonna do. Yep, and you're you're and, you, and you're you still like you said. I think you hit on two things there that I want to highlight because mm. I think they're important for people to understand. Number one is you don't have to create anything from scratch necessarily. You can consolidate information and put your spin on it. Mm. It's a great way to get quick, easy content out the door sometimes, right? Like 
obviously you've developed this over years of all these flows, but to your point, you know, they're not necessarily proprietary. They're just, you've organized them, right? right. You've used your expertise to organize them into a way that's going to make it easier for the next person to consume that content. Right. And that can be all you need to do sometimes to come up with a good piece of, of content to give out to your audience, right? It can be, okay, you know, like photography is an example, right? Like these are the five filters that I found that work the best mm, or mm. whatever, whatever it ends up being. And I'm not a photographer by any means, so that could be completely useless. But yeah. <laughs> the idea being that like you've used your filter to help distill information for your audience. So now your audience doesn't have to do all that other research, right? And that in and of itself is a huge value add. Yeah to the community you're trying to build, right? Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with a Spotify playlist, like you said, right? Okay, yes, those songs are everybody's, they can, you know, the artist owns them, you don't, but putting them in that order so they work with a specific flow, mm-hmm. that took time, effort, and you as an expert distilled that down and gave them the the distilled stuff. Yeah. And that's that's so much better than them having to do all that work themselves, yep. right? Yep. And then they can also kind of see your thinking, right? Like, okay, why do you pick that? Why do you do it this way, right? And that's the other thing you're showing off and that's the expertise piece, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that that's a great way to come up with content is if you can, you can, you can, what's that? What's the word I'm looking for? Um, I'm blanking on it, but basically you just, you take it things and consolidate, consolidate yeah, together. You yeah. can consolidate information and make it easier for people. Right. That's what, yeah, I think that's super valuable. So yeah. definitely something that rec- I recommend doing. Nice. Yeah. And I, uh, so as I'm building my website, that is very front of mind. And even though that iteration of my website isn't going to be for a little while, I still want to have that, um, that, email capture option. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, the, I, I see the, the, uh, the next step ahead. And so instead of waiting for that step to be ready, I can still, like I said, I've already got all the content mm-hmm. to capture emails and to give somebody something for free. So, you know, I can start building that, that base now instead yep. of when I feel like I'm ready and then I'm like trying to play catch up. But let's say in two months from now, when I'm ready, I've already got 200 emails banked, Yep. right? It's like, great, cool. Now we're just building from 200 and instead of starting from zero, Yep. right? And, so and once you have that idea, once you get the, the idea for the momentum, start that ball rolling, right? Yeah. Get it, get it going. Absolutely. And that's, you know, you mentioned SEO a little bit, which is just one of many pillars when it comes to driving traffic and, and you know, creating a good online brand and mm-hmm. persona. Um, but that's another, like that's similar in sense, right? Where all this stuff is not going to be maybe valuable day one, right. but if you can be consistent with it over time, it pays off, right? Mm. That's, that's, so SEO search engine optimization, that's right. what it stands for. Um, basically do people find you when they search you on Google? Mm-hmm. That's, that's what it is. Um, but Google as an entity has to build up trust with you just like anybody else. Right. So starting early, getting your content out there, knowing that it's going to take years for it to be of, of any value because Google is going to take a while to realize, Oh yeah, that actually does answer these five questions people search or, Oh right. yeah, that does make sense when people are looking for flows mm-hmm. that we should send them to Adam's site. Cause people are loving what he has to give them. Right. And they do that based on a whole bunch of technical stuff behind that, that yeah. I won't get into. Cause we'd have to <laughs> sit here for another <laughs> hour. Podcast, yes. Yeah. But, uh, but that's really why it's pays to get started and just go yeah. right. Even if it's not perfect, because the, a lot of these things take time to build up just mm-hmm. like the emails, right. All this stuff. It just, yeah. Yeah. Build that base. And you gave me some actually really some, some, and I shouldn't say actually always give me good advice, but you gave me some good advice on, um, on how to optimize your SEOs. 
um, through linking yourselves to other websites and linking other websites to yourself. Yes, that's the big piece. Yeah, that, so, that was I had never heard that before. Yeah, so know? that's that's uh in in the, it's called backlinks. That's backlinks, what that's okay. what they that's what they call them in um, SEO land. Um, and basically that yeah, it's like a it's like a handshake, right? It's like a, you as a website, if you link to me and I link to you, or however, or like just you link to me because you found content that's good on my site. Mm-hmm. Well, Google sees that and goes, oh, guess what? Um, this other reputable site thinks you're pretty good, good enough to give you a link back to your site, a backlink. Mm-hmm. That's why it's called what it is. Yeah. Um, and that's a great way to show trust, yeah. right? And that's then how Google starts to figure out, okay, who are the sites that are trusted in this space that I should send traffic to? And again, it takes a lot of time for all that to build up. Yeah. But that's a big part of, like, there's like three or four pieces in SEO, ma- major pieces in SEO strategy, one of which is backlinks. Okay. Number two is content, obviously, getting good content. There's all sorts of different schools of thought as to the length of content. Some people like to have like the like super long articles mm-hmm. that can be valuable in some situations. Some people the shorter, the sweeter, the better. There's a uh, load speed and time on site is another big piece of it. So um, how quickly your site loads. Mm, okay. Some people can get, like there's a whole technical side to the, to SEO and, and and that's a big part of it, right how quickly it loads. Then the other side of that is how long do they stay on your site? Because if someone hits your site and leaves within three seconds, Google's like, well, that probably wasn't a good match, match what they were searching for. Right. But if somebody clicks on your site, stays there for a minute, you know, that must've been something pretty good that they were clicking on. Right. right. So that, that's another signal, a positive signal for your content. Mm. Um, and then the last piece is really just optimization for, for keywords, right? Keywords being what people are searching, the, 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 the words they use in their search on Google. If you want to show up for a specific thing, you need to be optimized for that. Right. So if you want to show up as a yoga instructor, you have to be using, and it's not, it's not as simple as just saying, use the word yoga instructor in your posts all the time. Right. But things that are related to that, things that tie into that same concept, it used to be as simple as just writing it in. It's a little bit more complex now because gotcha. Google's been around for so dang long. Yeah. But um, there is those pieces as well that you have to worry about. So you got to make sure you're writing the right stuff. Mm-hmm. You got to write good stuff. You got to make sure your website's loading fast. And then you got to make sure other people in the world are saying, yeah, that content's good by linking back to you. If you can really hit those four things, broadly speaking, you'll be in good shape to try to build some SEO traffic. But just don't expect it to happen overnight. It's going right. to take a lot of time. Yeah. And I, you know, the backlink one was one that really struck me as the, probably one of the more beneficial ones I hadn't, I hadn't thought about. Um, you know, I, I'm working right now on, on creating content for my website, but through that creation, and I think what I wanted to say with this is that, you know, talking to people that have created websites or in the process of like your wordsmithing, right? Say you write an article about something and you have it on your website. You probably have a homie that has a website too, right? Mm-hmm. And you could link to that website and then that person can write an article that they can link to your website. And then mm-hmm. there's that backlink that's starting. And yep. even though like, let's say your friend might not have any more viewers or, or, or site visits than you have, but you're still in Google's mind, you're starting to create trust. And through that trust, it, it grows, right? Yeah. And so it's not going to grow if you don't plant the seeds, yeah. right? And those are the seeds that are planted. And through that, you never know. That person that you link the website to, your your content to their website, they might have somebody that looks at their website for content that might be a little more popular than that person mm-hmm. that wants to link then, oh, that, that was a good article. I'm going to put that on my website. And then boom, now you have two people's websites that your article's yep. on, yep. right? And then you're slowly just building yep. that content. And it's again. a numbers game for sure. I mean, there's the, you have to have a, a significant amount of, of all of it before you really get any serious value from Google, but right. that's the thing. If you don't get started, you'll never build it. So 
you have to to get in there and that's that's the way you do it but right. yeah i mean that's seo and we can talk i mean at some point if you want to talk tactical stuff on all this i mean yeah. i can talk pay we can do paid ads and all this because most of the money i've ever made has actually been from paid ads paid ads yeah like that's what like i'm getting towards right now with facebook and google and tiktok exactly. and all the others but that's a whole other giant bag of worms we don't have to yeah. get into right now we can do that <laughs> another point of view if if people want to hear more about the tactical side of how you actually build a, a website uh -huh. get it get the traffic flowing get everything working we can get more e-commerce at some point oh uh, we might do that man yeah. hell yeah but that's 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 a deep one yeah that's yeah. a lot that's a lot of time a lot of tactical stuff we can get into there yeah but yeah right on uh well let's uh i think you know one of the things that i really want to make sure we touch on is uh marketing and advertising mm -hmm. so i think that's one of the biggest places that a lot of us fall fall short on um one because we don't realize how much time and effort goes into marketing and advertising until you sit down and do it. And then not only do you realize the time and effort, but you realize how dirty it makes you feel to like sure. promote yourself and like do like I, to be completely fair, I despise social media for, uh, for a lot of reasons, but I have it because I see the value in marketing and advertising with it. Mm -hmm. Before I started going out on my own, I, I didn't have social media and I know you're not on social media. I'm barely, barely. Right. Um, but, uh, but I, but I see it for the advertising platform that it can be. Right. Mm -hmm. And so 100%. that's what I utilize it for. Yep. Um, so, you know, so for teachers, for practitioners, for people that are on their own, um, what are some of the key things that you think are important for that advertising and marketing side? Well, I think you hit on one already, right? Which is be, be there, be active, right? right? If you're going to, yes, I totally understand that from, you know, marketing, advertising, all this stuff does make a lot of people feel uncomfortable, um, because it is very, self-aggrandizing it's 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 ego-driven it seems like it a lot of times right, right for people and that that can be if that's not you right it, it can definitely be uh tricky mm -hmm. and not something you want to get into but i'd say be active on every platform that you can be or you feel comfortable being active on right um i wouldn't just be on let's say i'll use tiktok as an example right don't just be on tiktok because you can be there and make content that matches the right. platform right it's very different what you should put on there versus what you should put on like an Instagram or a Facebook uh, or a YouTube, right? YouTube's mm -hmm. another big one. Um, but what I would say is if you, if you don't, if it's not a platform you can commit to, cause we talked, like we talked about consistency, right? If you're not consistent with it, then don't do it. Pick one, you know, you can be consistent with. And even if it's one platform, right. stick with that one platform and be consistent and just go after that platform. Right. You know, if it's YouTube and you feel like you're good at YouTube, make sure you get YouTube videos out once a week. Also, if you're doing content, you don't have to do it day by day. Do it all once. Do it on a Friday. <laughs> do it on like a Saturday. Do it all in one day, and then there's plenty of tools that can help you schedule stuff. Like the one that we've used in the past is called Hootsuite. Um, there's a number of them out there. Render's mm -hmm. another one. There's a, there's a bunch. Um, and if you just do a quick Google search for scheduled social media content, you'll find all these options. Um, but you can do it all ahead of time and schedule it all for the for the week after. Right. And then all you got to do is every day go in and just see, you know, hey, are people commenting, engage with the comments, you know, all that kind of stuff, but you don't have to create the content every day. Right. Just do it ahead of time. So, yeah. That was that was a big one for me too, and I appreciated that advice because, you know, when when I started my YouTube channel, I um I would like feel that obligation daily to yeah. be like, shit, okay, I got to carve out 2 hours to think about content, to sit down and write it and then to talk about it and then re-record it, then re-record it, yep. then re-record yep. it. Uh, and it's it's exhausting. And but yeah, when you gave me that advice is like, you know, just carve out a day, carve out two days, have one day a week be like your content recording day and do it for three or four hours. Yeah, exactly. Get it all out there. And then yes, have your work smart, not hard, basically. Yes, exactly. You know? yeah. yeah. And it's always better to batch stuff 
that's the way we, we work as humans. It's so much better to batch. Task switching is, is hard. Right. And I mean hard in the sense that like when you switch a task, there's all sorts of studies about this and I don't know all the numbers enough to speak to it. But, you know, when you switch a task, there's there's a cost to that and brain power and willpower really, right? So right. sticking to one task and doing it for as much, like that's why people now, you know, will be like, oh, do your email only once in the morning or once in the evening or whatever. And obviously not everybody can afford to do depending on your job and everything like that. Right. But batching it to do it all at once is so, so much more efficient and mm-hmm. you'll find that you get more content done, better content. And I would just, you know, also just post it, put up what you got. Mm-hmm. If it's good, if it's bad, doesn't matter. You'll be better the next time. Just get it out there. Right. And so, yeah, to kind of, to your question, what can people do? I'd say, yeah, stay active like that. Be consistent with it. Use tools to make your life easier, to work smarter, not harder. Um, and then if you ever do want to get into more brand building stuff, more of the paid side, other things like that, which I do recommend. Mm-hmm. But what I would say is make sure you have something to, that you are going to be making money from. Don't just get into it to build a brand. Be into it because you've got something people are going to buy from you, right? Or they're going to purchase because right. you're going to want to have to fund that cycle. Don't be spending money just to spend money. Right. Um, there's a lot of tactics that can go into how you do that. but um, And it's really valuable. I mean, if you want to build a personal brand, one of the best ways to kickstart it and go faster is with paid advertising. Right. Uh, it yeah. just it just is uh, because what you're doing with paid advertising, you're just buying more reach. You're you're getting in front of more people that you aren't getting in front of mm-hmm. natively. Right. That that when you put a post up, so many people let's say a hundred people see it. Right. You might pay you know fifty bucks to promote that post, and you might be able to get it in front of five thousand, ten thousand people. Right. right. Yep. That's just more opportunity for you to get more fans, but. Unless you either have excess budget to put into that to build your brand or you have something you can exchange later on, like they can buy something from you to help Mm -hmm. fund that, then I wouldn't do it. But once you either, like I said, either have like savings, you're like, okay, let's say you're working a regular nine to five job and you're like, I got an extra 500 bucks a month that I can spend on building my brand. Mm -hmm. That's, that's great. Spend, start spending that on some, some paid outreach so that you can, or spend it on partnerships and like go find people you like in the space. Hopefully many of them will do it for you just because they're, you know, uh, you, you can make a good case and they want to work with you as an individual. But sometimes, you know, if they have big followings or they're fairly large, they might say, you know, hey, it's a X amount for a partnership or something. And right. you can use that budget to do that way. But it's just using that that money as a tool, another tool to build your your brand. And right. so um, I, once you're active, once you're consistent, I would say that's the second step I would look at is how can you expedite the process? Because... Mm-hmm. Consistency will get you there eventually, but if you want to do it in a year or two instead of three or four or whatever, right. uh, that's the that's a better way. That's a good way to kickstart it. And then there's a lot of concepts and tactics for how you do that. But that's I think those are the things I would say. Yeah, don't be afraid of it though. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, I th- those are I, I love that. And I think there's you know, I I think looking at like sitting down and looking at. Um, if, if budget's an issue, right? Like we were saying, you're, uh, and just put in perspective too, um, like if you post something on say Instagram and boost, boost that, right. That could be like 50 bucks for a five day boost or 30 bucks for a five day boost or something like that. Right. So it's not a lot of money in particular, like just to test it, to see how it, how that reach goes. Mm -hmm. Um, but it does, it is a cost. It definitely still is a cost. Well, And one thing on that too, is I would say is, is also, uh, like for some, like for, I work with a big juicing brand, right. One of the things that we do for them is, They'll post all the time, but we only promote the ones that are showing good traction organically. Mm. So you put it up, you say, okay, I'm going to put up all my posts. This I'm going to boost one a week, right? And this is just an example of a strategy. You could do one every month or whatever it is, but you mm-hmm. say, I'm looking for whatever people are organically engaging with. So this one post, people seem to love it. 
probably a good chance more people are going to love it then if right. you promote it. So that could be a good way to optimize your budget and not spend it just on everything mm. is to say, okay, what is what works organically and then give it a little bit of a boost. Nice. Love that. And also, I think, you know, looking at non-paid ways, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we're doing a podcast right now. You know, I, yeah. I didn't pay you to be here. I mean, no. some podcasts, they do pay people to be here, the ones that make money. Unfortunately, I'm not making money right now. But, you know, that's still this you know, that's still a way to get your name out there, mm-hmm. right? It's it's a way to express the information that you have, um, you know, in a way that, you know, you have some control over and you're creating that trust with people outside of the circle that you would normally be yeah. reaching, right? Exactly. And so there's all kinds of ways, whether doing workshops at different studios, you know, hanging around. I, I can honestly say like as a, as a yoga instructor in the very beginning of my yoga teaching, sometimes just hanging out and being open to answering questions after class is how, how you start that conversation, how you start that process of mm-hmm. building your brand. Cause people get, get, get used to being able to actively ask you questions. Hey, this just happened in the class I was just in. Um, this is what I felt. How do I work with that? Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. And then everybody, you know, that comes out of that class sees you working with somebody in the studio, in the studio mm-hmm. while they're leaving. It's like, Oh shit, I can ask Adam questions too. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have people coming up to you and then, Oh my gosh, here's a brand that's building and that I didn't even know I was trying to build a brand. You're just opening yourself up to the dialogue. And then that dialogue's taking you to all these other places. Absolutely. Right. You know, so there's, there's inexpensive ways to do it. There's definitely costing ways to do it. But I mean, there's, it's a lot of it is looking out side of your comfort zone and yep. seeing seeing the the ways that you can capitalize on stuff yeah. like that yeah so loop all the way back to what we were talking about earlier getting out of your comfort zone yes i 100 percent agree there it's it does you're to get different results than you're getting today you have to do something different and usually that means you got to get out of your comfort zone because your comfort zone is going to keep you where you are forever yeah so you <laughs> got to be willing to break that yeah. Yeah. That, and you know, if you're an entrepreneur and if you're doing something on your own, you're going to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So get used to that. Yeah. And I think, you know, and there's a, there's a book I, I'm, I'm reading right now called the, uh, art of impossible and Stephen Coulter, he's written a bunch of books, uh, stealing fire, all these things. Yep. He's a great, great, great author. And, uh, and he talks, uh, this book's about flow state, you know, and, and how to get into flow state mm-hmm. and how to maintain flow state. And it's funny, you mentioned earlier how we, we switch hats, you know, when we switch hats, we, we impede that flow state because our brain gets used to this, this uh, drawn up knowledge, this this comfortable knowledge base, and then all of a sudden, if you're changing hats, your brain has to readjust to this new knowledge Correct. base and call it up. Yep. You know, and, and that's that, that, that that's that cost that we were talking about. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Yeah. It throws you off. You know, it takes a while to get back into it, and so you know, having that ability to to be in your flow state and to see that through. Um, you know, is, is very, very important, you know, for yep. that, for your consistency and for the, the, the task that that's at hand. Absolutely. You know, there's, there's so many of these little things that, you know, when you start paying attention to the way your body chemistry is and how you show up to certain situations and how adverse you are to certain situations, like that's all telling, right? That's mm-hmm. all telling you something and paying attention to that will help you start to manage your days, right? Let's say towards the beginning of the week, I feel, um, non-energetic and, you know, a little more lethargic. So I'm going to do my admin work. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be front facing. I don't have to be client facing yep. towards the end of the week. I start feeling a little bit better. And that's when I start scheduling my classes and my workshops and I take clients because I naturally feel more uplifted. Mm-hmm. Now I have the ability to, to, to manage my schedule that way. Sometimes we don't, but you can still maneuver and, and try to up regulate and down regulate your own body chemistry yep. based off how you feel. Right. Yep. And that goes off of, you know, your personal way you take care of yourself, whether it's supplements or the way you eat or, the yoga exercises, yep, all that stuff. Totally. Right? Totally. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Oh uh, man. Um, so while we start to wrap this up, um, do you have 
you know, we've, gosh, I'm trying to just draw on some of the like tidbits of knowledge you've shared with me. Cause every time we sit down and talk, like I walk away just feeling full Yeah. and, uh, in a, yeah, in a beautiful too. way. And, um, and so, you know, you being a yogi, you're a very regular practitioner at over at B1, um, and an entrepreneur and, you know, through our conversations and, and seeing like this, this industry and some of the, maybe the struggles that it might have, what kind of like parting advice that you might have for, for some of these folks that are, that are going at it on their own, that might feel discouraged that, that maybe just don't know where to go next. You know? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, you know, a lot of the same stuff we've talked about throughout the, the hour or so we've been talking. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's, I, I don't want to echo the same things, but I would say initially some of that same stuff about consistency and, and perseverance and understanding you're not going to be successful immediately. All that right. stuff would be things that I would say to keep in mind. Um, but I would say, you know, we've talked a lot about personal brands and, but I, I don't think we've made a strong case that like you should invest in something like that. If you're getting started on your own, especially if you're in this space, I feel like the, the, um, especially the, like the yoga space, things like that, that's where like a lot of the people that have made uh, significant impacts in that space, both good and bad have right. been, people that have a signet like a name like mm-hmm. a name that you when you say it you'll know who that person and instructor that that style of yoga whatever it is right? right and that's that's a personal brand right i mean those are good examples of personal brands really being a big part of this space so right. um i think it's challenging because as you and i have talked about a lot of people the the business side of this is is kind of not it doesn't come naturally in, in this space people mm-hmm. feel very um they feel a certain way about it. They think it's kind of, it's, it's dirty, it's nasty, whatever you want to call it. Right. Right. Um, but I think shifting your perspective, understanding it's just another tool, just like anything else. Like it's a skill set to have and to Mm -hmm. learn how to promote yourself. Look at it this way. If you, if you look at it and you think it's a, it's a negative thing, then turn it around and say, listen, the more people that I can attract to, to work with me, the more people I can help, right? right? The more people I can impact in a positive way. If I don't make a name for myself and I don't, get myself out there, then how are these people going to know what I have to offer, the knowledge that I've built up and, and what you can give to the world, right? Mm-hmm. That's, I think, important when you when you think about this. Because if you think about it from a negative, like, I don't want to promote myself, I don't feel like that's that's necessary, or I almost maybe think that's that's evil in, in the space because, you know, obviously there are a lot of people in business that are pretty bad. There's right. a lot of good, too. I mean, right. it goes both ways, just like everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um but if you look at it from a negative perspective, you're always going to be kind of stuck in that rut. But if you can turn it around and think about it in a positive way and think, okay, how can I actually get more people in my tribe that I can then help? And that, you know, if that's your goal, right? You have a, you right. have a good wholehearted intention with what you're doing. Then the rest of it's all just tools to help you achieve more with that, right? right. It's not, it's not a bad thing. It's just, it's, it's going to help you do more and help more people. So yeah. I think as a, as a parting piece, I would say, think if you're in that group and you're thinking about it that way, change your perspective and say, listen, this is a very positive thing I'm doing. I know I can help people. I know I've helped people before. Right. This is just a way for me to help more and, and, and do that then. That's beautiful. Love that. Um, there's one more thing I want to touch on real quick before we, before we jump off. But sure. um, we, we talk about building our brand a lot. Right? Yeah, We've been yeah. talking about building your brand. Um, and and I, I want to make sure people understand that like, your brand is yours to build, right? It can be authentic to you, like the the person that you currently are. Yep. You don't have to design a new you no, to be that. No, brand. you shouldn't design a new exactly. you. Exactly, it should be you. Yes, and uh, and you know, I think especially in the yoga industry right now in the West, we we have kind of fallen into this innovative 
kind of um, realm. A lot of us, I shouldn't say everybody, but you know, like I don't know why, but there's uh, there's actually a, there's a podcast I listen to from this woman named Arundhati. I can't remember her last name right now, but it's called Let's Talk Yoga. And, uh, and she uh, had a guest on recently and they were talking about how, you know, how there's a, a desire and this drive they feel in the West to innovate yoga, mm-hmm. like goat yoga. And I mean, yeah, yeah, my yeah. friend Katie and I did mofo yoga, right? There's authentic movements. There's all this type of like animalistic flows and all these things that are happening now that doesn't need to be your development of brand, right? You mm. don't need to invent a new style of something no. to to be your brand. No, that's a common misconception. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so like take that take that out of your head. You don't yep. have to reinvent the wheel. You can be, you know, take your 200-hour teacher training and take everything you learned from that and develop your brand from that. You don't have to reinvent yoga. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be like the new you don't have to do handstands and do all the, I do all the binds and I can look at my head, I can put my foot on my face. That doesn't need to be your brand, right? Mm-hmm. Be authentic to you. Yeah. Find what speaks to you and then develop it from there. You don't 100%. have to like pull shit out of nowhere. Yep. People can smell that yes, non-authenticity. I was about to say that. Yep. That's exactly yeah. right. They can tell. Yeah. Because yeah. you're not comfortable in your own skin then. You're, you're, and yeah, I guarantee, you know, you've probably seen it. If you sit down and you think about it, you've probably been in situations where you've seen people like that and you can pick it up. Mm-hmm. People can pick it up too. So yeah, be authentic to yourself. Absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. Yep. Well, dude, man, thank you so much for being Good here. Good stuff, yeah. Um, let's, uh, yeah, let's get you back. We'll talk about SEO, some more like just nerd yeah, we'll out some, on some, some We'll some get some stuff. more tactical stuff going. If people, if yeah. people are interested, I'm happy to come back and talk more tactical. Definitely. And we'll yeah. leave uh, we'll leave long, uh, links for uh, for Tom in the show notes to uh, how to get a hold of you. Yeah. Um, you do some consulting on the side as well. Yeah, so. not much. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm happy to answer questions if people email me something they want, but yeah. I mean, I don't really. I, I've got too many of my own things going on right now that I don't have a lot of time. I've got two, like three or four businesses i work with and i only really work with them because i've been working with them for so dang long yeah i want to yeah. see them i want to see them to completion but yeah oh but, we didn't even get to talk about palette yet now nah, we'll, we can talk about yeah, it we'll talk time. about palette palette you know keep an ear open for that for that name that's yeah, gonna be a really our, cool one yeah this should be fun hell but, yeah all right awesome brother. thank you so thank much you. man yeah it was a lot see of you fun. next time man all right thanks so much for spending time with tom and i uh, lots of information to digest. We'll leave links in the show notes for all the information that you might need to follow up on. Also contact info for Tom and myself. If you have questions, you want to reach out for us, uh, directly. Uh, but please, uh, share the information, share the podcast, subscribe on your favorite platform. Leaving comments is super helpful. Uh, it helps us know what, uh, information you're liking and what information you're looking for. So, uh, much love, obeisance and love to you all. See you next time.